0: We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry. We'll catch our break, too. gotta keep
1: our eyes open hello and welcome to episode 35 of the looks like we're lost podcast i'm dustin redaiso one half of the lost boys joining me my lesser half he's as uninformed as he is misinformed it's tommy Cooksey.
2: Uh, yeah that is accurate, and um I like to keep it that way. I really came C- coming in, to uh, a future podcast
1: I really came in kind of vindictive today, like the wind on top of your wings. I didn't expect that from myself
2: yeah, you're like you're like uh, Met Biddler, you're the opposite of bet, the uh, true Wind beneath my wings singer, which that's we we actually sang that song uh, in my fifth grade graduation, and wow, I have loved that song ever since, like what a great tune. What a great tune! Like my dad cried. <laughs>
1: it's it's very emotional,
2: and inspirational.
1: It is. It is. It I'm is. thinking. Uh, you know, I'm already starting the running list for uh, father-daughters dance songs, uh, and okay. when Winnie gets married, I think I think we got to put
2: Bet on the list. I mean, yeah. My mine was mine was with my mom was certainly. I mean, it had to be the uh, somewhere over the rainbow. Um, the Hawaiian version, you know, did you a little bit of, yeah, you know, we did. Yeah, that's to. a big man. That's a big man. Rest in peace. But uh, voice of an angel. So, yeah, man. So sh- should I introduce our guest yeah, today? Yeah, man. Get or us sh- cooking today. Ju- get us yeah, cooking. Yeah. So joining us today is a good friend of, of mine. Um, I-, I told them earlier today, I'm going to kind of let, I'm going to give him some walking room today. We're gonna be some curious lost boys but uh, Garrett Gore um, we met gosh it's probably been six or seven years at least at this point um, as I've met many of my friends in North Carolina in a gym um, and uh, you know he's one of these people that I've, I've always in some strange way just kind of been drawn to his personality and, and the guy that he is and so I'm uh, you know we asked him to join. And he graciously accepted. So, Garrett, welcome. Yeah, thank you, fellas.
0: Thank you. Um, it was 2013 when we met. So I met um, you
2: coincidentally the same year I met my wife. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I think she she was working out at Sua. Yep. When I got there, so I don't know what year y'all met, but when I got there, I think maybe y'all were y'all were pretty pretty we were new. Just get, yeah,
2: we we were kind of just getting. Getting the ball rolling on that one, but did yeah. you guys that's both
0: good. meet your wives at
2: CrossFit? We sure did. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, same gym, not, different locations.
0: <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, that's right. And I, I just real quick, I told Tommy I wanted to share a little bit of how I met him. But uh, I really, from right off the start, uh, I I used to take pre workout pretty heavy, mm-hmm. and there was something about you know getting off work you know hitting the pre-workout on the drive you get to the gym and your body just it knows and so you know it's like my first or second day there and it's packed i don't know a lot of people and you know you're trying to prove yourself you're trying to you know stack up in the gym and i mean i'm beelining into the bathroom I use the bathroom. I turn around and nothing the the toilet won't do a thing. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this is my first day here. I mean, I it, we got a we got a situation, but I gotta own it because there's no plunger in here or anything like that. So I come walking out and there's uh, the owner of the gym the the guy who was coaching the class and then Tommy was kind of like buzzing around us. And I said, hey fellas, I just need y'all to know like I I stopped up the toilet. And there's no plunger. And all of a sudden, Tommy comes by and he's like, nah, dude, that was on me. I did that. Like, I, I, that was me. I, I didn't tell anybody. And I was like, oh, man, like, I like this, dude. Like, so He just owned it right out the start. And, you know, that, that meant a lot to me. So, um, hey, yeah, I, I really appreciated that because I was very insecure about that, that moment that, at the time. That is so funny. That I don't even know if I knew that. <laughs> that's amazing that it was it so was such a common occurrence for him he just he, he doesn't remember was, yeah
2: yes yeah, yeah i mean it's it's the same thing you know your your lips are like tingling from the jack 3d you just got to get in there and you don't want it to wear off
0: yeah so, so sorry i kick off the podcast with that but that's that's, that's right. how we met you no, know i love it
1: just like just plopping on top of each other that way <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like for a second i thought you were saying that uh that Tommy just like laid down in the mud puddle so you could step oh, cleanly no. into the
2: community. <laughs> oh, like, he, he, he kind of did, gentleman. Figuratively, 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 yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and don't. Uh, that's funny. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, yeah. I think about it.
0: I think about it almost every time I go to the gym because nothing's really changed. I, I drink a nitro brew instead of the instead of the uh, the pre workout, so yeah. the results the same.
1: Man, I love starting off a podcast by saying I was pretty heavy into pre workout.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, Garrett, we we were talking before this because because Dusty has a pretty heavy investment in supplements. Oh yeah, and uh, he was like is Garrett a supplement guy? I'm like, pretty sure Garrett's a supplement guy. (laughs) (laughs) At least used to be a supplement guy. I don't know if if it's gone more all natural now that you have a kid and we're just in there just trying to be healthy. But
0: yeah, I think, I think what I realized is I can get the same effect out of coffee that I was getting. Um, so yeah, I mean the, I take the creatine and my wife says I say it funny, but did I say that right? That sounds right right? to me. Yeah. Yeah, Um, you know, hit the protein powder and, Occasionally, if there's you know somebody's pre-workout laying around, I'll still a scoop, but um, it's not for any help. You know, I'm not I'm not like health conscious about it. Like, yeah. let's go. If I'm gonna pump some some you know pre-workout, we're gonna get after it. Yeah, you just so let, let it. me
2: yeah, and, and let us I can't let it breeze by that that Garrett felt a little bit insecure coming into a CrossFit gym. Like, uh, I'm gonna brag on you a little bit here. Um so you know, a little bit of cause he's not gonna say it, so I'll say it. Um D one athlete, uh college baseball World Series, uh back to back years, right? And
0: right? Put, uh, well I played in the college world series all four years. Yeah, yes we played for the Carolina. Title. Yeah, we played for the title two years, but we lost both years. So, you so, know. Yeah.
2: Dude, so, so you, no big you know what deal. I played you, you know what I played in college? I played softball a little bit yeah. <laughs> and I played some <laughs> and I played some soccer and I tried to tackle somebody literally because I was just, that was that bad so you know he walks you know walks in and you know here I've been doing it for probably two or three years I'm feeling pretty good about my ability to move some weight at this point here <laughs> comes in and he's like he's like no 225 clean you push, poof, nails it what are these muscle up things sticks it I'm like who is this animal who nah. is this guy?
0: That's really not how it went. That's not how it went at all. Uh, Q. In my, in Quentin. My mind's eye I, is. Quentin. That was on the show. Um, he, I'm a huge fan of him. But oh yeah, Quentin. Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 uh, they said, hey, you know, welcome to Sue or whatever, and and said, you know, Quentin will walk you through the warm up. And I met Quentin that day, but I and I got my teeth kicked in. There were like, I, I mean, we, there was a 400 meter run, and there at Raleigh, there's a little hill there. Um, Towards the it like like, turnaround, it? <laughs> yeah, and it, it, and that day, I mean, I hadn't been working. I played some pickup basketball, but there were, I think, Tommy's mother-in-law passed me. Um, oh yeah, yeah, she did. And I told myself, I said, I've I've got to get after it here because this first day was rough. So, man, what it, a... it wasn't a smooth transition. I love that that
1: origin story. I'm going to come in. I'm going to clog the toilet. I'm going to bond with the guy who clogged the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> with me it 's already a community i 'm going get i 'm going to get lapped by women maybe maybe a decade more i don 't want to start yeah. guessing women 's ages yeah and and i 'm not going to leave because i've got to prove myself i've got yeah. I got to find redemption here
0: oh yeah i mean i I was committed at that point whenever we were coming back in, and like i said tommy 's mother in law went right by me, and I said, "Oh yeah." I got, Kim, I got a long ways um, to go. But. Kim,
2: Kim got after it. Kim, Kim did get, I, really get after it. Yeah, yeah. She, I think at one point she deadlifted like 300 pounds. Wow. Um, I think she back squatted over, and this is a, you know she was probably in her 40s. So She's just back squatting like 250, very strong and so competitive. She would always because she'd go to class at like noon, and she would text me like immediately afterwards. Got x number of rounds. Got to did it in this time, and I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, I have to go. Like it me and annie aren't married yet so i'm like i really cannot let my mother-in-law show me up here um but yeah but so garrett I mean, we're, we're a little ways in here but we take a step back one of the questions that um might help us frame everything because there's definitely some topics that are lighter there's some topics that are heavier but there's definitely some things like i said we want to give you some walking room here and, and really talk about some things that are important and you know, our ultimate goal is, is growth at the end of the day. And we, and we want to understand from people that have seen some substantial growth, but you know, one of the ways or one of the questions we would like to ask as we kind of kick things off is like, what do you do? You know, you're in a conversation with somebody, you meet somebody at a coffee shop and they say, Oh, Hey Garrett, what do you do? Do you have a, do you have a response or do you have a thought around that?
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I I think the initial thing um, that people would want is, like, what is my occupation? But uh, I really, honestly, like, when I think of what do I do, right now, I've been husbanding, if that's even a word, for five years. Uh, I take that as, like, my first calling. Um, And then I'm a fairly new dad, uh, my father of a 10-month-old little boy named Jock, and um, we just actually went to the doctor a couple of days ago. My wife's pregnant with a little girl. So uh, they're going to be really, they're going to be close. Dustin, it sounded like you got some, some, some little ones that are pretty close too. We're
1: in that range. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So, um, you know, I'm learning how to be a dad. Uh, and then also, you know, my kind of the, the third thing that I do is I'm a sports agent. Um, so I work for a company and we represent... Um, baseball players to and, and for some reason my mom still tells people after almost nine years of of doing this she says that um, that I'm a scout I am not a scout <laughs> <laughs> I repeat i I do watch baseball a lot but um, I, what I do is I go and recruit the players um, at the amateur level so high school and college i recruit them and uh, get them on with the company and then we we advise them through the draft process and then uh, we represent them through their professional careers all the way through the big league. So uh, that's got a lot of uh, different directions it can go. Uh, people are very interested in that when I say it, but um, it's really, I mean, it's, you know, you guys know you're both husbands and you're both fathers. Like I do that and, and I feel like I'm called to that, uh, to, to, to serve young men that are in very vulnerable situations in their life. Um, they, they go through trials, life happens, so you're involved with that, but also they, they get large sums of money and that also poses a, a, a different challenge for them. So you try to, I, you know, I wanna have impact on these individuals lives, but um, right now my first two callings are being a father and a husband. And um, and that's just that's that's what I'm doing right now, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room elsewhere. But um, I'm 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 learning. When
1: uh, I'm curious, because I I heard Tommy have some perspective on what I'm about to ask, but you listed husband first. And is that just a function over that's what I've done for the last five years? Or is there actually like a hierarchy of responsibility in your family that you think the first calling is to to be a good husband and then dad? Or are those just one and the same to you?
0: Yeah, you're throwing softballs right now. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so um I'm a Christian and follower of Jesus, and I believe that husband is my first calling. I know this sounds really, really weird to some people, but even my parents, who they would they would profess Christ, and I, I do believe that they. But whenever in 2017, so Tommy got to meet, or 2015, Tommy got to meet me a couple years before uh, the Lord saved me. Um. And I say the Lord saved me one, because I think that's biblical. But then two, um, I tried to be a good person. I tried to, uh, to earn my way back to God and I never could, I never could stick with it. Uh, I mean, I, there's not no one that's disappointed God or me more than me. Uh, absolutely. I I lead that charge. And, um, so in 2015, and that's a whole whole other story. Um, we, uh, the Lord saved me. I I was fortunate enough to meet Alexis uh, later in 2015 at Ponte. and um, we got married in 2017 of March, uh, March of 2017. And uh, at the time, I was starting to really get my legs under me. Uh, I was still an infant spiritually. Still, still feel that way most of the time. and um, But the more I saw, you know, Ephesians 5, uh, you know, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus and he's saying um, that we are to love our, our wives as Christ loved the church. And um, that's a pretty high calling uh, because he, he went to death for his bride, and uh, he, he he bled for it and he died. And so I think that calling is so, so high. So that's why I would say that I'm a husband first, because I'm called uh, to represent Christ to represent Christ to the rest of the world through my marriage and loving her as Christ loved, loved his bride. It's hmm. interesting.
1: I've been uh, I've been fascinated with fatherhood and since it came into my life. And I've, I've, I don't want to go too much in on my stuff, but I've been trying to understand a lot of the things that I was raised in from a Christian faith. I've been trying to kind of unpack them and think like, how would I make an intellectual case for this? And how do I make an intellectual case for why it is, uh, better to be a husband and put the kids second. And I have found myself able to build case upon case for why that is a superior way to run a household and to manage your own life uh, within like a family context. And it always interests me when like I can take months and at this point years like constructing an intellectual argument for something that's already been kind of solved by a belief system that's already in place and I almost feel a little bit foolish for doing the intellectual legwork separately (laughs) but that's well I
0: kind of I kind of envy you though because I've listened to quite a few of y'all's podcast and uh, especially been binging them over the last month and um, you you are you're you like the why you like to figure it out right like you feel, oh, you're, yeah. it seems like you're that you like to you like to dig deep on uh and like, you know you this is how something is so, um, why is it like that? An evidence-based yeah, the, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's you know when I listen to y'all. Uh, speak to a former Marine about, um, you know, Afghanistan or uh, things like that. Like, I, I really enjoy that because you're doing the legwork um, that I, I don't have to do. I can ride my truck and turn it on and, and feel a little more informed of why. But it doesn't like I'm not one of those people that gets conjured up by the why. Um, and I wish I, I wish I was a little more like that because it would serve me better in a lot of ways.
2: You strike me and we didn't know each other growing up. Like we, we met, I was probably, I mean, I was, I
0: was on the downhill slide.
2: I was heading into my thirties and you were mid (laughs) twenties, but like true or false. You strike me as the kid growing up that was always in full on send it mode. Like they were like, jump off this pier and do a backflip. You're going to be the first one to do the backflip. Is that true or false?
0: No, it, I think that's false. Oh, I, I yeah. missed it. <laughs> yeah, you I, well the. So you you caught me at a at a unique time of life. Um, <laughs> I think growing up, I was a little more timid. Um, you know, I, I I remember halfway through you know little league being scared to death to being hit by a baseball, but end up playing <laughs> till I was twenty two years old. Right? Yeah, that's like, incredible. Yeah, so so there was something that shifted, um, and and you kind of caught me in this like point in time of my life where I was, uh, you know, I've always been competitive, so that that drove some point of like I'm willing to get really hurt to to yeah. win, but uh, but yeah, I, I think there was I, I wasn't always like that. I was I, I was fairly reserved and. Um, I've always been outgoing, but I, I wasn't that kid that was like, you know, let's, let's do this. Like always, let's, let's
2: jump our bike over top of this fire. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be okay. Safety third.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I didn't break a lot of bones or I broke a few, but not, not a lot. So (laughs) that, I think that would be evidence of, of something like that. But no, I think there was something that changed in me in my probably my college high, into high school college where I became more aggressive. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't it's, know what
2: p- part of that is. I mean, a part of that is just growing up, right. Coming into being an adult male. You know what I mean? Like it's just, we're evolving. We don't, you know, we're, we're not what our, our, our prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed to what, like 25 they're saying now. So yeah, 45. I was hoping you would <laughs> say 34, 30. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, As long as I wear my hat backwards, I'm going to be okay. Um, But, but, you know, something that I've always wanted to ask you, we've just never really had a ton of time. Like it's always like before the workout, after workout, it's like, well, you know, I got to get going, which which I plan to to resolve that by us all getting together. But before we get into some heavier stuff, I got to know what I mean, what was it like playing baseball at that level? Like that's, I mean that that is the that is the pinnacle like of college baseball.
0: Yeah. So what was uh, that like, I, man? Well, you you sent me in the email you sent me prior to to us getting together. You you said like what, and I hope I'm not jumping ahead, but you no, asked. No, no, please, no. There, there's no structure here, man. Yeah. <laughs> so you, go ahead. You asked you asked me like what makes me tick or something like that. I can't I can't remember. Yeah. And I had a lot of thoughts on that, but um, some reason whenever you. You kind of left the email open-ended I was like what like what are the the greatest things that I've got to experience that I'd want to share with somebody and I don't even know if I'm answering your question but it's okay um the, like this idea of community I, and in I've heard some y'all talk a little bit about it but um playing at UNC like you have to understand me and I'm not lying I'm our buddy Trent he he says I'm lying I'm not I was the worst player on every one of those teams in the starting lineup. Really? I, I'm yes. I I'll, if we need to call in backup, <laughs> I'll put somebody's speaker. I was the least of those. And the greatest things that have happened in my life were because there were unbelievable people around me. I can give you examples. Um, at UNC, I I think there were, in each year that I was there, there was a top 10 pick. Wow. It it is extremely difficult to be a top 10 pick in the MLB draft. There were dozens. I'm going to say I I really can't put a number on it because so many of those guys that I played with played in the big leagues. Which is not like basketball and football, where you get drafted and the next year you're going to see these guys. I mean, Tommy, you're—I mean, both y'all seem like y'all are aware of baseball. Tommy watches the Orioles, so how aware could he be? Yeah, right. (laughs) But that—that's how good those guys were. Yeah. And so when I showed up on campus as a freshman, I'd never like I love lifting weights right now, and I wish I would have loved it that much in high school. But I showed up on campus, and I was much smaller, uh, less physical. And here I am with a guy named Andrew Miller, who has had a long time in the league. He's 6'7 lefty, and he's throwing 95 coming from first base. I mean, it's – What's that feeling? When
2: you step into the batter's box after seeing guys throw 85 – with maybe an okay curveball in high school, and you step in and you have a grown man throwing you 95 yeah. like, like Daniel, this, like from the Dan- side. there's a, a picture that like to- looking at that?
0: Daniel Bard, for, he's with the Rockies now, the closer for the Rockies. He, he uh-huh. spent a long time in the big leagues. He was 100. And that was before. Now kids are throwing 100 more often. Yeah. But, but it's terrifying. So that fear <laughs> that I was talking about, it went away for a little while, but it came back. And – so what i was getting to is the guys were so good i'm stepping on the field and it's like and and this is where i think people get lost and i'm thankful i had a dad and people around me to encourage me people think that like i went in as a shortstop well so did seven other dudes because shortstops are normally the best players on the field and my dad was like go go watch who's the worst on the field and go to that position and try to win that position <laughs> It got me – I made every start in the College World Series. I, I started most of my – probably halfway through my freshman year and then started the rest of the way. But it was because I was willing to go play something different. I, I never was going to play in the big leagues, guys. And that, like – i I'm one of those that, like, I'm never going to tell somebody not to dream big, I, I, you know, all those things. But I was never going to play in the big leagues. I wasn't. I I. I just, it, I knew is it. Is it just,
2: is it that obvious when you're at that level that like, you know, whether it's size, whether it's ability or some, or maybe it's like the the drive to want to do it. Is there something that you look at and you're like, what that guy has does not exist here. Not in your yeah. heart, but like it, yeah. you know, in your physical capabilities, is there, is there something that just like you start to see the cream rise a little bit?
0: Yeah. And, and yes, you do. But for some reason, parents have the biggest parent goggles on. And I think we'll all like probably experience this where we just don't have a good assessment of our child's ability. We're a little blind to it. And that's, yep. you know, heck, my, my son's probably like behind, but I'm cheering when he, you know, stands up and does something, right? But, yep. and, it, and maybe it's that's just our nature, but for ball players, and I talk to a ton of them, and the ones I'm talking to are really, really, really good. Like the one percenters. But... For some reason, we, we even fool ourselves. But for me, I'm thankful that there were people, good people around me that gave me fair assessments. Um, because instead of me going, you know what, I want my way to the big leagues is playing shortstop. But I, I was going, wait a minute, the second baseman. I think I could beat him out, or the right. I think I could be, and then go run after it. And then when we're playing in front of thirty thousand people in Omaha, guess who's standing out there? Me. But if I'd have limited myself to shortstop. I'd have been riding the pond, fellas. It's so funny
2: how you say that because, you know, I think that's, that's, I mean, what amazing advice because I think a lot of times what happens, especially if your parent is involved, this is, you know, a lot of us have kids listen to the podcast. You can sit there and do the blame game and start blaming it on little league politics or something Mm -hmm. and say, well, oh my, you know, you should be at shortstop. You know, that kid, instead of just saying that kid's better than you. Either you you have the chance to get better, or find another position that you like and that you can excel at.
1: Yeah, I think there's like, two principles here that I I love in the story, and I'm I'll share those real quick, and then I wanted to share like a quick contrasting story because I think also baseball is unique in that it's it's one of the most high skill sports, particularly team sports that almost every boy plays, right? So, at least when I was growing up, everybody played Little League Baseball. So, you have like this massive talent field that is eventually getting winnowed into this tiny, like, hyper skilled group. You're hitting
0: my pitch deck.
1: (laughs) Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And other sports aren't the same way. So, like, even a sport like football, which is, you know, a skilled sport, there's room for like the raw athleticism and there's room for a lot more niche within the sport. So I had a friend who played uh, one year of football at University of Kentucky. Um, Red shirted, got to the end of the year, like felt like nobody cared about him, and quit playing. He was in the same group. He came in as a wide receiver. Nobody gave him the advice to not be a wide receiver until the coaches said, Yeah, you're not going to be a wide receiver. And then they told him where to go instead of him, like, reassessing. Well, the same thing happened to another kid, and they both got – my buddy got turned into an outside linebacker. The other kid got turned into a tight end. But they both failed on the wide receiver unit. So he quits. That other guy keeps playing. And year by year, he goes from – he got a jersey. He's on the field on Saturday now he's on the special teams unit now he's rotating regular offensive plays as a junior senior year he's he's starting he's all sec does 10 years in the pros jacob tammy who's a tight end for the colts and he's catching touchdowns from peyton manning right and we always try to tell that story and i think in most sports it's just not true but what what I love about your story is Tommy and I read a book called Range. It's by David Epstein and it's kind of like splitting the, the Hallmark case is the difference between Roger Federer and Tiger Woods. right? Roger Federer played a bunch of different sports. He didn't start to specialize till late high school. And Tiger Woods, we all tell the Tiger Woods story. like, And we fall in love with these certain narrative tracks but really at any level, you're trying to sample the, the full cornucopia of offerings that life has, and when you find something that sticks, you cling to that, but then once you get within that thing, you double click, and now you have to like get more specialized and more niche and stay more fluid, and uh, how do I iterate time and time again until I've taken this as far as I can go, and it sounds like you did that. Like you're already talking about tapping out your talent when you get to North Carolina, right? You're looking around, you're like, "Wow, these guys are something different than me," but you continue to iterate within the niche so that you could be there for the entire experience. And you know, I'd I'd say the coolest experience ever, but you lost, so
0: probably (laughs) (laughs) it would have been better if we won. So you know, like you're not wrong. Do you think, Garrett, that it that it
2: enabled you to, like, m- more fully immerse yourself and enjoy the four years of playing baseball in college by just making the assessment that, like, this is this is the end of the road for me most likely. So I'm going to give it all I got, and then that's – I'm just going to run it till the wheels fall off, and that's what I got.
0: Yeah. Did it now, allow you
2: to, like, do that?
0: So uh, the way I, I framed it, I might have misled you. I didn't have this, like, epiphany that, hey, I'm not going to play in the big leagues, like, right away. Yeah. It took yeah. me a little time. Um, you know, I was hoping to maybe grow a little bit. and <laughs> um, But as I started to get towards my senior year, uh, my junior year, I did get – I got a call in the draft. It was fairly late, and my dad was like, man, like, you know, Coach Fox is willing to up your scholarship and if you come back. And the money that they were offering me in that round wouldn't even amounted uh, amounted to nearly what the scholarship money would have amounted to. So my dad gave me a very, you know, strong word and just said, Hey man, like you go and you, you sign after your junior year. Cause in baseball, you can't go after your freshman year or sophomore year. You have to wait till your junior year. sophomore year. You can go if you're 21 by draft time. So, um, you, that's called a draft eligible sophomore, but, uh, most of the time, you you gotta wait till you're a junior, so it's very different than other sports. But, uh, he told me he's like, man, like, do you really think you'll play in the bigs? And I was like, not the way I played this year. You know, <laughs> junior year was my worst year. And he's like, well, like, why don't you just go back? Let's get that degree because I wasn't a good student, guys. Um, I was a terrible student. Uh, really, what they call a committee case. Um, I had learning disabilities, uh, man. I was terrified to read in public, absolutely terrified. And um, so, it, it, I end up going to this great university, and I mean, I'm getting my teeth kicked in by the schoolwork. And here I am, like, just uh, about two and a half semesters away from graduating. When my dad's having this conversation, he's like, "Man, like, you could graduate from college, like." I, like honestly, that was more exciting for me because the the I didn't think that I could make it to the big leagues, but being that close to a degree meant more to me. Yeah, and um, because I'm telling you, it, school was really hard. I mean, all the way growing up, um, I hope my son does and daughter don't have to to struggle the way I struggled. So. Um, getting that close to a degree, having somebody speak hard truth, and then receiving it, receiving that truth. And when I got – to answer your question, that senior year, it was my best year because I'd freed myself from this weight. I, I'm i out there um, – I actually moved to right field, so I, I went second base, second base, freshman, sophomore year. They moved me to shortstop. I was not a shortstop. I was a second baseman. They moved me back to second base in – A a young guy, they came in. He ended up being a first-rounder with the Twins named Levi Michael. Brought him in early. He goes out to right field because that was the position that was kind of open, and he he just couldn't run down a fly ball like they felt comfortable. But I'd never played outfield. But they came to me and said, what do you think? This is day before opening day of the new Bosch Hammer Stadium. And I'm like, man, I kind of was hoping to get back home to my second base spot. Get comfortable, you know, play my spot. But, hey, man, I told my coach, I said, this is what you think we need to do. Let's do it. First batter of the game, opening day, we had this guy pitching the big leagues named Alex White, first rounder, throwing cheddar. So all the right-handed hitters are late. And I, the first batter of the game hits this ball down the right field line, and I'm like, oh, well, i got to go get it. Just stretch out, dive, make a dive and catch. And I'm like, I can do this. Yeah, it's awesome. And have my awesome. best year. So, you know, it's like I think people, they handcuff themselves a little bit. I, I see it a lot. I'm um, thinking about like Roger Federer or, or Tiger Woods. Like, you know, you're talking two different sports. I'm, I'd, I'd love to read that book. It sounds very interesting. Good book. But, but I, when I think of baseball, I played every sport growing up. And I'm thankful I did because – I, it, different positions, you have different type of movements, different, you know, a center fielder is going to have very different movements than a catcher or, you know, whatever it is. And I think playing other sports helped me kind of maximize my potential uh, at UNC. So uh, last thing I'll say, I, I get very long winded. So you guys got to just like wave me off or something. No, but man. The, uh, I graduated. So we we had, the, and it was, there was still a buzz around Carolina baseball um even after you know after those four years they made a couple more runs and there was this big time East Carolina fan. And uh he he was like intrigued by us, but he hated us. And I ran into him at this was my previous life, prior to Jesus, but I was in some bar in Greenville, and he walks up to me and like grabs me by the neck, this big old guy, and grabs me by the neck and was like, Garrett Gore. And I was like, "Oh gosh, somebody like somebody coming after me," and he's like, uh, "You are the most overachiever I've ever met." Mm-hmm. And at first, I was like, "Like, are you, you dogging my talent?" <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah, like. But the more I thought about it, I was like, "That was a compliment." Would you rather have a ton of talent and do very little with it, or have very little talent and do a lot? Mm-hmm. And that's where I think people get. They're too sensitive. Like I think I was sensitive in that moment, but I was like, "Man, like, like I want to be a good steward of the things I have here." And mm. you know what? I got I got my money's worth. You so. know
1: the the you know bringing up the scriptures earlier, the parable of Jesus. Uh, I think it was a parable of Jesus. Uh, so, apologies if I'm I'm off on what I'm citing here, but the man with the talents the the master who gave a different amount of coins to each servant and then they all had to do something with it i think about a version of that metaphor on that parable on just a weekly basis it's yeah. like one i think it's tough to like be honest with your self assessment did i get did i get 5 talents or did i get one you know yeah and whatever that is, like, how much can I turn this into? Like, I might not be able to turn it into what the guy with five is able to do. But I think, and, you know, having, having at least one near-death experience, I think I feel comfortable with this aspect of my mind. I think when I get to the end of my time if I've really just maxed out whatever I've got, there's no like absolute finish point that would make me happy. To just know that I I did the best with what I had is like, that's it. That's the measure of a life to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, and that's, you know, like I said, I, I took offense to that, but the more I thought through it, the more I realized I'm like, you're talking about, a, I think I had a 2.7 GPA or two, I mean, barely could get, I, I couldn't get into UNC, but they had to do this thing where they plead my case on why they should let me in. So now I look back and I'm like, I was the beneficiary of one, some, some people taking chances on me, but also, you know, like I, I just wasn't that good. I, I like I, I wasn't that good at baseball. I never, I've never won any individual, uh, awards, no MVPs, no all conference, no, none of that. And, but I was able to play in a spot and I could have got hung up on not being in the spotlight or not being the guy or, you know, not everybody can be the the guy, you know, and, but I got to kind of ride the coattail and go on a fantastic ride. Um, so I just I think people miss out on some things that are there for them, but because and especially now yeah. this is this is a whole another conversation. But with the way social media is just probably pressing down on us as millennials and Gen X and all these, it's we make everything about us. I mean, it, it is cool. I was thinking the other day, there's some some guys. I'm not going to say what school or whatever, but uh, they weren't even drafted. But they made this like announcement over social media, like, I'm coming back. And I'm like, don't bat 215 (laughs) and then announce that you're coming back. You're not LeBron going to Miami. And, like, why do we make everything about us? And then so now these young men or women or whatever, they get onto these campuses. And they have to collectively, you kind of see yourself in this pecking order but people don't people don't go win that don't people don't go knock down the the people at the top everybody's like artificially building this pecking order in their own little brain and one it makes people soft and then two whenever you do when you have to buck up and somebody challenges you you don't know how to respond because you're you built this little foundation in your brain that's not going to stand and so I see it all the time. I mean, I'm talking talent. That if I would have had a smidge of it, I mean, I watch some kids play, and I'm like, oh, if I could have had that bat speed, or if I could have, you know, had that glove, their glove or their arm, or their size or whatever, their strength, whatever it is. And I think like people get hung up on, and it probably is like this in the workplace. It's like this, um, probably all through, but there's something beautiful about like a team aspect and you kind of, you say, all right, like may, you know, not everybody can be Jordan. Somebody has got to be Pippen. Somebody has got to be, you know, whoever else. Right. You, you, and that's Luke Longley
2: coming off the bench. Actually he was a starter, but
0: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But what I'm saying is like that, that I got to school and saw the pecking order and thankfully somebody else helped me, you know, other people helped me understand like, you ain't the dude. You yeah, you might yeah. have been. But, Everyone's you know.
2: quick to get butthurt, right? Everyone's like wants to be offended by, especially with that kind of stuff. Like there's stuff to be offended by in the world. But like, you know, where are where you bat in the lineup if you're playing for a, uh, you know, top 25 school is not one of those things.
0: Right. And but. the good thing about all that is is you're going to get your chance. And if you're hung up on on what you're not getting, when you get that opportunity, you're not going to be ready. Yeah, and thankfully, uh, I I was riding the pine for a little while. And Buster Posey, I don't know if y'all know, know that yeah. name, but he was playing for Florida State, and all, and he was he was a close he actually closed for them and threw hard. And my coach was like, Gore, you know, get a bat. And I was like, I've been waiting, you know, <laughs> like like let me at him. And uh, I ended up getting the the sack bunt down, yeah, <laughs> you know, yes. was, like. And then I got to play a little more and a little more. And so I was ready. So, Tommy, that's a very long answer to your question. No, dude. No, that's
2: like you're talking about a lived experience that, you know, not many people. I mean, how many how many college baseball players are there? D1 college baseball
0: players, a couple thousand. uh, Probably at at any given time. I think I think it's something like 50,000 in America. D1? Do you? Yeah. College. College. 50,000 college. It's Uh, still
2: such a small subset. So, no, I I love hearing it, dude. The the stories, I mean, that's what I mean. I I could hear, like, the the stories about about Ball all the time. So, I appreciate you going into depth and sharing that, man. There is something, as we kind of creep up on time here, because I know there's something that's very, you know, it's going to be a hard pivot. But it's something we talked about earlier, Garrett, that is something that you've spent a lot of time with over the last... We said four or five years, right? Four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's your it's your story. It's your family story. If if you're comfortable sharing it, I kind of want to frame it up, and then kind of let you let you walk it out a little bit. Um, but you know this, I, I told you. Similar to when Dusty, or maybe it was even Katie, that reached out to me and was like, you know, Dusty's got leukemia. It hit me so hard for like several weeks. I couldn't get it off my mind. Cause it's like here, this is someone that we almost share the same birthday. We've partied together. We've you know, we've gone to concerts together, and it's like just a stroke of you know bad luck that could have been me, and you know, and so it it wasn't, but but it was almost like it, I was. It was so close to him, I was able to personalize it, and um, it's one of the reasons that I'm so proud of who Dusty has become. He's he's like the phoenix at this point. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's come back. But, you know, similar... Sorry, Dusty. Did you... No, 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 no. I've, I've just feel guilty. I was just waiting for my chance
1: to t- chime in to tell you when you're going to make a hard pivot, it's a good yeah. time to reference Luke Longley, who is great at hard pivots <laughs> and, you know, really... Build some narrative so I'm thinking about all that and then you tee up a compliment like that and I'm just hey, oh, I'm yeah, the you worst. You're just i got you, <laughs>
2: your brain scrambled so anyway um uh, the, uh an event happened in your family's life back in 2017 that really shook everything up so maybe you can share from from your perspective kind of all that all that took place and and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah,
0: so uh, my dad's in business for himself. I'm from Wilmington, North Carolina. And um, the, the the craziest thing, my dad's been in business for 35 years, um, and he's in the boat business. And one day he shows up to his shop, and somebody had cut a hole um, big enough in their barbed wire fence to drive a 30-plus-foot boat uh, out of the gate, and um, so all these years of business, and and my dad had never had anything quite so odd happen. And he's in business with with my uncle. They they've been, been in business together the whole time, and uh, it, it really it really shook them. Uh, it was a I don't know if they just felt slighted. Um, and the thing I try to encourage boomers not to be on social media and stuff because, um, you know, like they're on Facebook and then the news posted it on Facebook and then somebody tagged my dad and then people, you know, you had trolls, which they don't know what trolls are. Trolls trolling them. So there was a lot going on when this happened. And that was December of 2017. Now, granted, um, 2015, I said, uh, that's when the Lord saved me. So my life had drastically changed. Uh, who I believed God to be changed. Um, how I think he, scripture reveals how he works. Um, that started to become real to me. And uh, so anyways, this this thing happened uh, a couple weeks before Christmas. And uh, my wife and I just, we, we just got married in March, so... Here's, you know, Tommy, you're talking about my life. I mean, I'm your typical basic dude, you know, like college baseball, um, Crossfitter, you know, pants. like smoking meats. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm. So, my wife, she signs up for this, like, really, uh, you know, what looked great on Instagram, fam, right? <laughs> so. Here we go up to Minnesota where she's from over Christmas and uh, it's negative 25 degrees it, I've never been in weather like that so everybody's hunkered down it, 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 her and her mom actually did sneak out to go get their nails done but I was actually, I was actually watching um, some this, it sounds really corny and I'm not, I'm not a smart dude I promise but I was listening to some Charles Spurgeon and he was talking about God's sovereignty, and man, I just went through a season from 2016. Like, a buddy of mine started walking me through Romans and um, Ephesians and and talking to me about God's sovereignty. And so I was in this like thing where I, you know, I was just diving deep into to that. And I was actually sitting on the couch in her parents' home, talk, you know, thinking is God in control of everything? Like, is he, he's created everything, everything's for him. And, you know, I'm challenging myself with this deep thinking when it comes to theology. Not that I can get that deep, but it it was just the oddest thing. And then all of a sudden my telephone rings. I had my headphones on and I looked over and it was one of my good friends named Mark. Mark. I was like, eh, you know, I'll call it back in a little bit. A couple minutes later, my sister calls. And my sister don't call. So I was like, Oh, what is she calling me about? Like then my cousin Natalie called. And I'm like, What is what's why is everybody calling me on, you know, this day? Well, my sister called back, I pick it up, and she's like, Have you seen the news? I'm like, No, I'm in Minnesota. And she's like, Ooh. Something just came across and it said that because the the news had been running this boat story and it said the owner of Gore's Marine went out looking for that boat and uh, somebody got shot and is being airlifted. So I'm like, you know, I get this news and and I talked to my dad a couple days before and he said they thought they might know where it is and that the police weren't. They weren't, um, you know, they were they must have been on Christmas vacation or something because they weren't responding to like their tips. And so my dad and my uncle went out looking for this boat. And I told him a couple days before, I'm like, Pops, like why you know, here I am a a believer, and my dad, who claims to be a believer, is like he's raging mad. And I'm like, you know, I'm laying out the gospel. I'm like, Pops, like you stole way worse than a boat in Jesus's house, and he loved you and forget. You know, like I'm. I mean, I'm laying out. I'm trying everything to get him not to go looking for this boat. Yeah, because it just sounded stupid, sounded ridiculous. Here's a sixty year old man going out looking for a boat. Who knows what the the people on the other pulling that boat, what they're willing to do, right? Um. So when I get that call, I don't know if. My dad had been shot, or he did the shooting. I didn't know, uh, but I ended up speaking to my mom, and she uh, she just wouldn't really give me a whole lot of detail. But she let me know that my dad was in custody, and he was the one that did the shooting. And so we 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 pack up and we fly to back to Wilmington, and that was uh, that was an interesting time because my dad had he got booked. But uh, some they that the young man hadn't died yet, and he was on life support, um, and he hadn't passed. So they uh, they charged him with uh, I can't remember what the charge was, but he he had a bail hearing, and they were able to. My uncle was able to front the the bail, or ten percent or whatever it was, and. So when I got home my dad was home, which is weird in itself. And my dad who was a very rough, my dad's a welder by trade, very rough, very hard, stubborn. Um uh he here he is and he's broken. He's broken and um what are you feeling on that flight home? Like what are you, what are you going through
2: in that a long flight to know that this this went down
0: yeah um well so (laughs) we're alexis's parents my wife's parents dropped us off at the airport and gave us i mean just gave us hugs and i just remember my wife being so upset she loves my she loved my she's she's been a a huge fan of my dad's um i think she's always had like a a soft spot for him because she she knows deep down inside there's just like there's this great uh fun person in there but he just lived a hard life so i think my mom my, sit, my my wife had has this like sympathy and my mom and dad's marriage was really really rough um so there's some some of those logistics in it but um that flight home i think i was more trying to con- trying to comfort alexis which is weird right like Um, not that she was like being a drama queen. My wife is not a drama queen, but she, she was upset. And uh, I told Tommy earlier today when we kind of briefly talked about this is like, I don't skip the beginning of this podcast when I listen to it because there's a little clip and I don't know what movie it's from and excuse my language, but I'm quoting. It says, do the shit you're absolutely scared of and you'll get the courage later. And Dusty, I, I, I don't know like when I think about your situation like you you had to go through something and you got the courage I'm sure you got the courage later like you didn't get to choose like either walking in that front door or not but you you got the courage I I imagine at some point.
1: Yeah, that that clip is from the movie Three Kings. And it's George Clooney leads a, a little troop of soldiers and he's the one who says the line. But I I picked it particularly because that was my experience. Like, I. Like, when cancer hit me and me and my wife went through all that, uh, you know, it's. Look, it's raising kids, too, right? These things happen, and there's nothing that prepares you for it. But, like, the person I am now is because of the resiliency of the event. And so like I'm I'm grateful that it happened even as terrifying as it was in the moment and yeah you, you know if you're if you're of the everything happens for a reason school I think that's just a way it's maybe the best way to understand tragedy
0: yeah and and I'm not I'm not saying like when I was in that moment like there was just like steady you know like It wasn't always steady. I'm I'm not saying that, and I don't want to portray that. Um, There were... Anybody that's gone through any type of the court system, there's... It's drawn out, and it's long, and there's uncertainty, and there's communication, and, and, you know, it was... The state was... Eventually charged my dad with first-degree murder. So my dad's sitting on first-degree murder charges, and uh, that came later, but... Uh, when we, What I knew on that plane, Tommy, is I knew that here's a, a, a normal family, American family, small business owner, all this. But what I knew is that my mom and my dad and a lot of the people in our family, not everybody, they claim Christ and they claim to, to be resting in the finished work of Christ. But I'd never seen it. And here, when the Lord saved me, it was like it was an all-or-nothing thing. It, 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 it. I've heard it is like the most miserable people in the world are people that have one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. And it's like being on a boat and having one foot on the boat and one foot on the dock, and the boat's kind of drifting away. You gotta, choo- you're gonna have to choose which, which one you're in. And I noticed my family straddling in one and one. And so there was this. Moment on that plane where I said, "Lord, you got to give me the strength to stand firm," and because I knew when I got there that our my the weight of my entire family they were going to lean on me. I I just I it, 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 he gave me like a piece about it, and sure enough, when I got there, my sister who's a little older than me, my brother-in-law who was all like he he's he was such a blessing. Um, and, and I can talk about his situation and I could even point where I see God's hand and him even being a part of our family, but all the people, when I got there, just, it felt like they were just like, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't even know how to live this out. And it just like leaned on me and I was scared to death getting there, but I was like, Lord, you're gonna give me the strength. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna step. I'm just gonna take a step. As this thing goes, I'm just gonna take a step. I'm gonna trust you in that step. And when I hear that statement on or that little quote on the beginning of the podcast, it's just like he'll give you the strength. You just step. Just take that step. And and I I told Tommy that's when I became a man. That where. I had to I had to be a man. Now I, whenever I was at Cisco, I had a, a year hiatus. Long story, but Dusty, I think that's when you you were diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. Um, I don't. I, what date? When was the date on that? Very end of 2016. So December of. Yep. Yep. I started at Cisco in October of 16, mm. and I remember hearing about your, your story cause I used to walk around and talk to everybody on in every cubicle and you weren't there. Um, so whenever, you know, I heard about Cheeto dust and, um, little things like that along the way. Uh, I, I remember seeing your desk empty. Yeah. Oh dude. So (laughs) (laughs)
2: like, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I remember, Thanks for sharing all that, dude, because that's, that is a heavy, I mean, geez, like what, what, what a life event. And, you know, like I mentioned to you, you know, just through proximity, we were, our lives were kind of in a parallel path at that point. We were both at Cisco. We were both going to the same gym. We worked out at the same time, you know? And so when you mentioned that to me very early on, it was like, it's like, oh my like this is I could I could very easily put myself in your place and think, What the heck? How would I respond to the situation? And I mean I guess ultimately, you know, it's been four or five years now. I think mostly on the other side of Yeah. The court cases and everything. I mean, what sort of things have you taken away? What sort of things have your family taken away that like you look back on it and you're like, "What a terrible season! What a tough season!" Yeah, but here's where uh, we are
0: now. Um. So this this will sound crazy to to people that might be listening that that aren't trusting in Jesus and and I, but to those who are, you might might get a taste of this. Um, when I was going, when our family was going through that, I'd never felt closer to the Lord. And we've gotten on the other side of it, had a child, works busy. I'm dry, man. I I'm in this just dry season, and um. And part of me, uh, is is thankful. Uh, for that season, um, because the communion that I had with the Lord in the mornings, I was desperate, and um. Now I can th- sit here and talk about the the way that played out, but it's really not about the result of what happened. But it was more about like it, it, uh, the result of the trial or the result of uh, and, and my dad uh, uh, things. I wasn't able to talk about it a lot then on what the details were, but he eventually ended up getting charged with involuntary manslaughter, which is totally different than first degree murder. And he spent um, the last two December's serving time over those months, which is very compared to, to life, which we was being charged with, we we didn't get to spend Christmas with him in the month of December, which they, they posed their own challenges. But so am I d I'm I'm not talking about the result. Cause I had during that time I had to get to the point with I was okay with whatever God's will was. And there's something so sweet about his kindness when you get there. When you get to, um, and I was talking about God's sovereignty, it's like, that was a warm blanket on a very, very cold night. And, to be able to walk through that and to say, God, you are who you are. And, I'm not here, like, I'm not the star of this movie. I know this sounds cheesy, but like, I'm just an extra and you're allowing me to play in it. And, whatever whatever you if, if your will for my dad is t- for him to serve that time cuz every you know there was a lot of sin and a lot of poor decisions and whatever the outcome was of that i'd submitted to it and there was freedom in that and i didn't like i might not have liked the outcome but there was this, just like this rest that came with chaos around me but me being so desperate and going, God, I, I was at the end of myself, like because I'm, I'm a doer. I'm a like, let's go do it, right? Let's let's let me will my way to talk these people, my family, into handling this the right way. No, it it got it finally got to a point. I, I told Tommy there were there were moments where I, you know, early on where I was mad and and out, you know, rage came out in little places, and I went and got. Uh, help at a place called Bridgehaven here in Raleigh or in Durham at biblical counseling and uh, the, the the man who was there walked with me through that and and I, I, I if there's a recommendation and you're going through something like let me recommend that before you even ask but um, I, There was just a sweetness man, and now things are good works good Babies and and I've neglected him. You know, I, I neglect him. I, I still, you know, I lean into my reading and I do a little, you know. But, you know, and that sounds bad. Like, I don't want bad things to happen for me to just to give God his due. But wasn't that I, just, I mean, that that's the inclination
2: of the heart. I mean, that's, that's human nature, right? We're sinful by nature. And so, yeah. you know, growth... Growth in in that, just like growth in anything, is a constant work, and just being conscious of it is, you know, that that is the work. Being conscious of it, knowing, and then you know, putting in the work. I mean, that's just what it is. Dustin, well, you want to say something?
1: Yeah, I was. Uh, you know, it's funny because Garrett, a lot of the things you're saying, uh they resonate with me, but maybe from like. You know, like we're looking at the same object, like the same pane of glass from different angles yeah yeah i uh I was home uh a week or two ago, and my my mom and my aunt are just like two extremely strong women of faith, like they're all the way in there's like the doubts that they have aren't really doubts. Like they, their faith is basically knowledge. (laughs) Like they know, you know, Um, and I'm not that way. Like I'm, I'm a doubter. Like I doubt everything. And I, I question and I rethink and, you know, I, so we got into like a three hour discussion. And at one point I think my aunt asked me, "Is like, well, do you believe in Jesus? Just like point blank. And I was like, I don't know how to answer that, and because there there have been times, like, uh, you know, run-ins with the I've had my own run-ins with the police, in over the course of my life, and in these in these moments, like, I'm, like I'm in it, like I'm you mentioned the desperation, like I'm saying the prayers to God, I'm bargaining my future. Right. Like at that point, yeah, I totally think he's out there. And then there's other times like on my best day, doesn't even cross my mind. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm here, I'm in the world. I'm thinking about what's in front of me. And like, I think, you know, and I even build a lot of merit around it. Like, Hey, I'm a present person, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, I think when you talk about something that is as difficult for us to know as, like, God's nature and, like, the role of faith in our lives, like, you can, on one level, you can look at it and be like, what do you mean it's hard to know? Like, it's all right there in the scriptures. We know everything we need to know. But also, like, how could we possibly know? Right? It's just bigger than us. Like, an ant's perspective on a human being. So one of the things I said was like, I've had my best days. I've had my worst days. And no matter what, like just the same way you're submitting to a level of grace and kindness to set you free when you're in emotional turmoil. Like in the eternal perspective, I'm submitting to that same level of grace and kindness because it's my entire life that has to be judged. And some days I'm, I'm an awesome guy. Most days I'm not, you know, so I think, uh, I think, look, what do I know? Right. But a little bit of the spirit within you, like when you're able to forgive yourself, like that's not really you forgiving yourself. Like that, that's coming from somewhere. So it sounds like you recognize it, right? Like, can to Tommy's point, that's just growth. Like you can make corrections on your on your own nature.
0: Yeah. I, I think the the beauty of and this is like I said, you know, this I came to to fate at a much later stage than a lot of my friends and a lot of the people that I know. But the reality was is that I knew that there was like there was this debt that I owed. Mm. There was there was the sleeping it it, it wasn't just the the actual sin. It was like my nature. I knew that... I knew I was off with God. I knew... Like, why... I was like an old punch bug beetle driving down the road and the alignment was so off that it wanted to run off the road. Right? Like, it, I could I could pull that wheel as hard as I could, but as soon as I lost it, it, it wanted to veer back. And I knew. I was like, that's... Just white-knuckling life, huh? Yeah. And... And the the beautiful the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it's not it's not about what I've done or what I'm gonna do it's about what He did and that freed me because it was like wait you know when when my buddy Mike McKee who Tommy knows great he laid he laid out the gospel to me and I was like I was in a deer stand whenever the reality of the gospel hit me I was deer hunting in North Raleigh in i i started thinking you know why would god let me in his presence why i mean at the time i was i had a girlfriend that we were sleeping together and i i, I was dabbling in drugs and and alcohol abuse and pornography and uh, all these addictions and i was like I, there was something that just told me like that ain't it like I had this God, sh- this hole that was so big in my heart, and I kept trying to jam all these other things to fit it, and it was this rat race. And so there was this like, I, I was one. It was just I couldn't keep that that punch bug on the road. And when I told Mike, I'm like, I deserve to go to hell, straight up. I know it. If I died right now, if I fell out of this tree stand, I deserve to go to hell. I deserve it. And he said, "You know what? That is why Jesus came. Because God knew he, you can't earn your way back to Him. He had to make the way, and He did. That's why Jesus came. And look, I I would say I have my doubts. I'm doubtful too. But there's no other promise in any other religion. I, I went. I spent time in the Middle East." Islam Hindu Hindu even Catholicism it's all works based what i realize is like my works are terrible that like i can't I, I can't gain gain that ground back and the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it it's what he did i'm just resting in that i just receive that it's what he did now that drives that drives good works but it's not it's it's my good works don't obtain that righteousness. It's his righteousness. And I just received that. And it it's it's so basic. Right? Like it's not it's not crazy difficult. It's just that that's where I got,
1: right? Well aren't the most aren't all the most helpful ideas really simple? Like they just
0: yeah. are. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I tried to, I tried to like obtain this idea for years, but like something else did it.
2: Yeah. We, I grew up in, a, I grew up in a church that was very much, it was, I don't, I don't know, looking back on it, it was almost like fire and brimstone, like people talking in tongues and stuff like that. Um little Pentecostal action i can it's see tommy i can see tommy, <laughs> yeah, tommy, does, tommy would yeah. love it it was it was uh it, they called it southern methodist which i mm. don't i still to this day don't really even
0: speaking in tongues was just in youth group yeah
2: yeah <laughs> I mean, it was yeah so you know we, you you left you left the church feeling like guilty like <laughs> Like you just felt you left feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. And you know what? The, the verses they kept quoting, I'm probably going to like, I'm probably going to hell when this is all said and done. Yeah, almost to a point of you know, like, y- you know, you start to do like the um, the old like money scale, and you're like, are my, this is the stuff yeah. that I did really bad, and this is the stuff that I'm doing good. As long yeah. as there's more weight on the good stuff. Hey, but, maybe maybe I'm doing
0: all right, right? Yeah. That, see, that, uh, that's that's the difference, though, with, like, if you really dig into God's word and you see that um, that it's not a – that's Islam. Islam, when I spent my time in the Middle East, and, and it, you know, their, their idea is, like, they have their good deeds and their bad deeds, and they're, like, walking a tightrope. And the weight of their good and bad deeds will either tumble in them over into eternal fire – or their good deeds will get them to a place where they don't even know necessarily where they're going to go. But Jesus yeah. says, "Like I am the way." He gives this guarantee, and it's like, "Yeah, do we doubt that?" I, I do. I, I'll admit it. Like, there's times where I'm like, "Man, like, do I even believe this?" Yeah. But I'm like, "There's nothing else in the world that I could absolutely trust in. There's no other guarantees that well, I'm going to." Sp- and and Dusty said it too, man. And this is this
2: is where it's always been helpful for me. And and however someone frames it up. You know, but to it, it it, bu- it builds in automatic grace, right? So I think one of the things and I've said it on this podcast, uh, probably every other episode, um, and, and I, and I'm definitely stealing and paraphrasing from, uh, Jordan Peterson, 12 rules for life. But, um, we, we always talk about the golden rule and, you know, love God above all else and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And people always take that to mean treat others the way you want to be treated. And I think that's somewhat of a cop-out. I think it's that, that, that dilutes it because there, there's two parts to it. Love your neighbor. Like, love you guys. Love my literal neighbor as you love yourself. So if you treat yourself like shit, then you're not holding up the second half of that bargain. Right? So if you, you make a mistake, you, know, you say something to a colleague or whatever – and you just beat yourself up for days or weeks then you're not truly hearing that commandment right because if dusty slighted me in some way if he said hey man I said it the wrong way sorry i'd be like cool it's all good man but why would i not have that same compassion for myself and so i think that you know <laughs> it's it's you, you know, you've said it you said it probably half a dozen times garrett is like it's freeing it yeah. frees you it well, frees you think, from having to carry the weight
0: yeah the first part of that though is love your love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul right when you're spinning your if you're really taking in what he did he gave his son right like he so you will love your neighbor if you get locked in on that first thing you will you will have you can forgive yourself when you realize that you have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. So like the number, the, the first command, the, what he's telling you to do is on that first one, if you cling to that, it will take care of the others. Just like when Dusty asked me about being a husband or a father, which one, you know, where you place that first, if you live out that first calling, my son will watch me love my wife. He will treat women differently. He will see, he will learn from, from me how to like, God is the creator. So he, like I've just got to trust. And that's what I was saying, to Dustin earlier. He's like, why, why is it, why are we like this? Right? Like why do we need to do this? Where I'm like, look, I'm too dumb to figure out why. So I'm just going to do it.
2: <laughs>
0: and so that's where, like, I think people have a hard time with getting past themselves when they realize like there is a God in heaven who is offering more grace than they can sin. Like his grace is like the ocean and your sin is like the grain of sand on Wrightsville beach. And I don't think people, I don't think people quite understand that. Like, and even myself, like whenever I, I fall into sin or I know that I've, dishonored my wife like i want to shy away from god immediately first right like what did adam and eve do in the garden right after they sinned they, they hid and so like that but if if i can turn back and just like he's there and i think i think we get lost in that yes there is god's not going to save everybody <laughs> right like He's not going to just... Uh, yeah, okay, forget it. I, this whole time, I'm just kidding just you kidding. Know, everybody, come on, be in my presence. But if... And that's what I'm saying. That's why I say the Lord saved me. It's because the Holy Spirit allowed me... This sounds like voodoo to some people and some witchcraft. But I tried to... I tried to love God. I tried to change. I tried all those things for years. But there was there was a moment where it was like the light bulb went off and the reality of the gospel and how much he loved me and what he did for me. It became so real and my life changed it. I mean the pivot that you were talking about earlier, it was a, it was a pivot. So I know I'm getting long, long winded here, but this is the most, this is what I'm most passionate about. And um, so, yeah.
1: Well, what's, yeah, dude, we appreciate you sharing. No, we can, we can yet again pivot, but we can Luke Longley on this one. There you go, a ballerino in the post. But <laughs> I, I've just always found it fascinating, and you know, I referenced that conversation with my aunt, and my mom. It was like a three and a half hour conversation where we were like deep diving, what all of this Christian faith meant to our individual lives and it i found myself in this position where i was repeatedly telling them like look i'm not i'm not here arguing anything i'm just like trying to present the most genuine version of myself and what my personal relationship with this topic is right now and you know for me that's what it's it's really turned into is this personal pursuit and this personal curiosity about what exactly is Jesus and God and I'm really banking hard <laughs> that that if he's real, he understands like all the doubts and the confusion and all that stuff. Like I'm really counting on him having a better handle than me because the thing i've never understood when we get into these Mm -hmm. conversations is why people feel like they need to draw down you know it's like to prove that they're a better christian or that no i really believe like you sound like you only kind of believe or vice versa to if you don't believe at all and you're like well this person's an idiot like why like why would you believe in some like some yeah. santa claus up in the clouds pulling all the strings right yeah.
0: well I mean, I mean we we see that in scripture i mean the the person who denied him so it had to have been doubting a lot god said would be the the pillar of the church peter and so you you got to remember it's like we get we get real evidence that his followers who walked with him doubted I mean you're Um,
2: talking about people that literally saw him perform miracles. Yeah. (laughs) Like they were sitting there and they're like, Yeah. This was foot water and now
0: I can drink it,
2: right? And they're like, but I don't know. Yeah. So But we did see. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: we did but we did see them get to the point where after uh, Pentecost they they were out preaching and they were getting beaten for it. Right. So they had yeah. to, th- something had to at some shift.
2: Point it, it, it pivoted. Yeah. Some, yeah. Pivoted. I got to stop using it, that yeah. word. It's an overused word pivot, for me. Pivot. Yeah.
0: But I w- I'll tell you this. I hope anybody listening on this podcast, like I, I, you very, you probably won't hear this much at a Christians, but when I say I'm dry, like I'm not making that up. Like my, my walk feels it's bread and water right now. Um, so like, I hope you hear me in humility and, I don't have it figured out. I'm just trusting in something and like you said, if Jesus is who he says he is, I'm banking everything on it. I put I put everything I got in the middle of the table. F- Turned my cards over and and I'm trusting in that.
1: You know what I oh, find really worst case w- scenario the oh, same yeah. thing happens to you that happens to the rest of us.
0: <laughs> the lights go out. Right? <laughs> but
2: I, I I you know, if not I, I you know you know what helps helps me and you know when considering this <clears throat> is especially now being you know a dad of two kids is they are similar they're both boys but they are also wildly different and how i show them love is wildly different in a lot of ways um in order to get through to them in order to communicate with them and you know, to frame, you know, God in heaven as a father, his pursuit of Dusty in the way that Dusty's intellectual mind works and the way his individual life has been is different than the pursuit of me or you, Garrett, because we're just different people. And if it was just one size fits all, it would be like, okay, well, this 10% of people Believe in this God, and then everybody else just is kind of like, well, that's not my cup of tea. So, I always kind of, sort of how I, if you're driving towards it, you're trying to figure it out whether it's you know Garrett, you said I just accept it and I go with it because it clicked or Dusty. It's like I'm I'm trying to, I, I get it and I'm trying to understand it. Right? It's like you're you're driving towards the same. You know, I the liked same aspect it. And,
1: I like to turn decisions into decades-long pursuits
2: of curiosity. Well, that's why you know you're a writer, dude. Like, I'm. <laughs> There's not, no me, me or Garrett are not going to
0: write a book, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh... no. Whoever would edit that book, boy. Oh, my yeah. wife. She she can tell you I, spelling's not my thing. So yeah, we'd have a have a work cut out for us. So do we want to hit our I, Garrett? I appreciate
2: the... you. Uh, Garrett, I, I really, I know, and I'll speak on behalf of Dusty, but I really appreciate you spending the last, you know, almost ninety minutes with us, man. Like, just sharing your story, open about about everything, man. We we really appreciate it. So, yeah, it's a yeah, genuine pleasure. And, yeah, yeah.
0: We we might are we going to break the record for longest podcast that you've had? We went almost one forty
2: five one time. There's Ooh. still a chance. We could get. Let's hit our segments. (laughs) Let's get into our segments and and see where we take it from there. Yep. All right. Question
1: of the week. Um, coming from the "We're Not Really Strangers" card deck, self-reflection edition. Check out the Instagram. Check out the card pack. Great conversation here. Uh, question is: What have I accomplished recently that would have shocked me a year ago? And I'll let Tommy go first and
2: I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll be, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. So we don't run, so we don't run a marathon on this one for me. Um, it is putting, uh, putting a pause on therapy and it's not indefinite, or I guess it is indefinite. It's not like, um, I, have, I will never go back. It's not like I've lost faith in going to therapy. A year ago, you know, we were still amidst a global pandemic. We still kind of are. <laughs> but in that time, in that season of life, dealing with the, the same issues, familial type issues, would continue to creep back up. And I, like, would hold on to those moments so I could take them to therapy in the week and a half, two weeks that it would take. And sometime in the last two or three months, all the lights were turned on and it was like, oh, I've now built the tools to enable me to handle this stuff on my own. Yeah, of course, my therapist is always there. I talk with Dusty on a weekly basis. We talk about stuff like this. But, you know, I think a year ago, if you told me, yeah, you'll you'll stop going to therapy, um, you know, next May like, "Eh, no, I probably still need that." It was it became a crutch. And so, you know, I think I think that's probably the thing that that would that would have shocked me a year ago if I if I told myself that.
1: Thank you for sharing. Pleasure's all here. <laughs> uh for me, I think I'm still kind of wrestling with this, but the first thing that jumped into my mind about what I've accomplished, I guess is a sense of confidence about my ability to be a good father to a daughter. I always felt kind of confident about a boy. It's like I knew what that was, you know? And Walter came along and I took to it pretty, pretty fantastically. I just really enjoy being a dad. And, you know, look, the jury the jury is out for a long time on whether I'm actually any good at it. But I know I love it, and I have a strong confidence in my ability to be engaged and curious about any avenue and direction his life may take. And I was more nervous about a daughter. And even after when he was first born... And part of it was, like, I'd gotten used to interacting with Walter. Like, you know, she was just a baby, and I worried, like, am I... Like, I don't know that I'm emotionally here like I was for Walter. It's like I'm not feeling it. And, like, over the last few months, like, a lot of it is just her personality blooming. But, like, I... You know, Matthew McConaughey calls having a daughter the honeymoon that never ends. And I feel almost daily kind of overwhelmed by that sensation. And it has transformed into just like a very strong sense of purpose and a confidence that, as I'm talking about, is maybe bordering on arrogance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I appreciate you sharing, dude. Keep going. Keep, keep going with the daughter stuff just that I'm gonna I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna be great
1: and I feel really good about her and me and the way I feel about her and uh you know there's a lot of maybe my own personal baggage I've been carrying for a long time about like old relationships and my own my own struggles with intimacy and uh and vulnerability and just like being able to be the person i wished i always was now for this person who really needs me to be that person and i'm i feel like i can do it and i think a year ago i i didn't have that same sense so that is my answer to the question
2: thank you for sharing that's awesome
0: yeah, well, you got me excited. And, you got me excited. I've I've, it, been, I've been a little nervous about being a yeah, having a daughter. So, I appreciate that. No,
1: it's it's awesome. I had uh, you know, I I played basketball at a small school in college and there was a <laughs> a joke that was made that always stuck with me. And this is part of what I talk about like some of the old baggage. Uh, this dude on the team who was kind of like the alpha male on our team. He always had like this one other guy who was like a pretty boy that all the girls liked that he was always kind of getting into like little sparring matches with. And at one point, we were playing sand volleyball, of all things. The pretty boy tried to talk trash to him, and his comeback was, doesn't this guy seem like the kind of guy who will grow up to only have daughters? No. Yeah. <laughs> And it was at the time one of the funniest insults I've ever heard and it's not insulting at all but in like a hyper male sphere you knew exactly what it meant. Yeah. And I was like the fact that I found that funny and as funny as I did and that is like tracked with me my whole life makes me nervous about being yeah. A girl's dad. And so like that's some of the stuff I've like had to process in the in the time and I just I it, her existence has definitely made me a better person and she hasn't done anything but just like be a baby and like be close and like give little baby hugs and it's been the best.
0: Yeah. I like it. Yeah,
2: I like it too. You you're you're free to tackle this one or you can you can pass. It's like completely no, up to you, man.
0: Yeah, I already, already revealed to you guys. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty open about uh, my shortcomings, and reading is one of those. And uh, a, a fella that is a really dear friend has discipled me over the last couple of years. He called me, he said, "Hey, man, we're gonna, there's gonna be me and one other guy. We want to invite you. And uh, what we'll do is we'll read a book a month. Um, we have a reading list." he was like, I'll buy you all the books if it's about money. Um, but, and, and when he said it, I was like, Oh, like, Mm. I don't know if I've actually read a book from cover to cover at this point. And this was a year ago, year and a half ago. And it was just like, it just boiled up. And I'm like, Oh no, did I overcommit? You know, (laughs) like I can do that sometimes. And, um, so I, I just said, you know what, (laughs) I'm going to do it. And, um, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, some just unbelievable books. Uh, I've got them, and, and friends. We start talking about stuff, and then they start asking me questions. I'm like, hey, dude, just read this book, and then I, like they're like, man, you highlighted the whole thing. Um, so I actually I read twelve books and uh, in one year, going from zero fully read books to twelve in one year. That's awesome, so, man.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that was really awesome. And thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. All right. Recommendations. I'll go ahead and go first. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a book. It is something Tommy will definitely not read, but he can catch the (laughs) Netflix series. Uh, Three-Body Problem. It is hard sci-fi. Uh, written by a Chinese author, has won like every sci-fi award uh, the world has to offer. And it is, uh, I finished the first book. It's a very unique and just triggered a ton of new thoughts, but a very unique interpretation of the first interaction with extraterrestrial life um it's a it's a trilogy and then there's a couple other like books that get built around it but the netflix series is going to be done by the same guys who did game of thrones benioff and weiss so that's supposed to come out i believe towards the end of 2022 so if anybody wants to get ahead of it now, and like all those annoying Game of Thrones people you knew who are like the books were better, you could yeah. be those guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I couldn't keep up with how many different things were going on in Game of Thrones when I was watching it. I don't know about yeah. reading it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, but it it seriously is a great book. So anybody out there who's into sci-fi, like uh, give it a shot. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I had it sitting on my shelf for about a year from my brother-in-law, finally cracked it over this recent vacation, rolled through it, and immediately ordered the sequel on Amazon, which uh, I'll probably start tonight with my little nightlight. My my wife is, of course, already asleep. Do you
2: have a little nightlight reader?
1: Oh yeah, it's like this tiny little like you're supposed to clip it into the book, but I'm too I'm too cheap for hardbacks, so I have only the <laughs> paperbacks, and so it doesn't really work right. So I'm like holding it like a little candle <laughs> up to the letters.
2: <laughs> I got to figure something else out. The three body problem. Uh, you know, I've been slow on reading. Maybe uh, maybe I'll give it a shot. You yeah, know, give it a shot. But also,
1: I, I almost Google. You Googled,
0: at on Shoe Chewdog, like, dude? <clears throat> about a third. Uh, eh fifth of the way in a third how, of the way in how is that book because i've got it
2: but it's I, good I it's really he's a he is a much more eloquent writer than i thought he was going to be like it just it read the narrative part of me is like how true is this stuff like how does this guy remember stuff from 1967 on mount fuji doesn't matter there's some there's some puffery in there <laughs> yeah. but but it's it's inspiring and it's really cool to hear the story of you know how it came to be because i mean it's one of the biggest companies in the world so it's it's a good read it's a smooth read yeah for I'm... those
1: who don't know shoe dog is the <laughs> oh, yeah. story of phil knight the founder of nike and i've read it twice i absolutely love it
2: yeah garrett we're we're both the same i'm not a great reader i'm a very slow reader um i think last year i might have done six books and i was like really i was like i'm proud of that yeah. i'm proud of that
0: yeah, I like, need to I need to fess up real quick. There were some audio books in there, all right? Hey,
2: no, hey dude. Hey, that's all right. Yeah. this 100 percent count. It right, it absolutely good. counts. Um Garrett, any recommendations? I think you mentioned a uh the uh biblical therapy, biblical consulting.
0: Yeah yeah. But I mean, but I mean, would you but you bridge you can Haven? drop two on there. Yeah, yeah, bridge, bridge is Haven. the name that's of it, yeah. fantastic. Um uh, if I was going to give a recommendation, I would, uh, I would probably say, uh, a buddy of mine, I love cooking. Uh, we didn't get to cover that topic. I, I'm a, just a absolute obsessed with, um, with grilling, smoking. Um, but a, a friend of mine, he sent me a sous vide, uh, like the, the machine. Uh, it sounds, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, I cooked yeah. the best steak that I've ever cooked uh in my life, and I've cooked a uh, many of them, but it it gets the temperature just where you want it, and then I have one of the egg grills and I can you know jack up the the temperature really high, I actually take my leaf blower and blow it into the bottom vent <laughs> and I mean I can get it to like sixteen hundred degrees something i mean it's pegged out I don't even know how far yeah it would go and then i just sure char it. Make you burp it. it
2: before you open it. Make sure I burp, burp it. it. Yeah, i burp <laughs> it.
0: But i char it and then it but it's still got that really tender <sighs> and, and just that crust on the outside. Uh, i'm not a big drinker, but a glass of cabernet with that uh heartburns on the way, which by the way guys, um, i'm a are, are y'all still both of y'all still uh intermittent fasting
2: you know it
1: i am actually on the decline so i just started marathon training like nine days ago i'm in week two and uh one of it'll be my second marathon i don't think intermittent fasting is great when you're doing that much caloric burn like i have trouble eating enough meals well-balanced in an eight-hour window. So I've relaxed gotcha. that during the the marathon, but otherwise yeah. I'm all about it.
0: Yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to throw that recommendation out because I knew y'all were both those in that camp. I've been doing that for mm, – it, it, it's not always been on all the time, but 80% of the time for the last two years I've intermittent fasted. And it has cured my heartburn. Yeah, so you, you hear right a guy you. you hear a guy like me talk about a steak that's charred with a little glass of cab, and you know some charred Brussels sprouts. You eat that late, you're getting heartburn. So one hundred percent. So the intermittent yeah. fasting it, it gave me this deadline, and that's what that's exactly what happened with me, dude. So anyways, me, that's my second recommendation. Sorry,
2: me me and Annie went to Mo, uh, Molino, downtown Raleigh. Uh, it used to be where Babylon is, right there off Capitol oh, Boulevard. I've when heard you come good in,
1: things, yeah,
2: phenomenal lasagna. I mean, Whoa. absolutely excellent. But and same you, thing. No I think good I,
1: lasagna. You're Hawaiian.
2: Well, you know us <laughs> Hawaiians do tend to uh, to partake in the lasagnas of the world. <laughs> um, but same thing, man. Like, you know, we had dinner at like eight o'clock, had a glass of wine, and at like. I don't know, twelve forty five in the morning, I wake up and I'm like, ugh <sighs> sweating. Like like oh. this is why I stop eating at six thirty. This is why I do it. But it but it was so worth it. Anyway. But yeah, yeah. so the Sous vide is something Um there was a couple guys at work, um, Ryan Reed, who you may he may remember, and a guy yeah. named Jake Carruthers. Both are big, uh big cookers. But they used to talk about the Sous vide and I was like what are
0: y'all boiling some meat yeah <laughs> you guys, Dude, what? i I'd turn my nose up to it for I did a while. I did but,
2: but you're selling me on it, man you're selling me because like n- there's nothing worse than getting some nice like uh, butcher's market steaks, some nice thick cut, and then just
0: overcooking one and undercooking the other uh, one and
2: being like oh, this is just
0: yeah and, and what I'll suggest is i'm I'm a big like tomahawk ribeye I, I love fatty meats. And when you, yeah, yeah, when you sous vide it and like I'll put it on 130, maybe one, maybe bump it just a little bit above 130 and I'll put it in there for like four or five hours. So it's slow and low, baby. It break, yeah, it breaks it down. It breaks those, you know, I don't know, people probably are throwing Muscle fibers up. or whatever. Yeah. If my sister-in-law is she's vegan. Um, she's probably throwing up, but
2: you probably cook beans in it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but the the it just breaks it down, and then you go and you char it, and it firms it back up just enough in that texture. Because if you took it out of the sous vide and ate it right there, it'd be it'd be weird. Yeah. Um, but you can you can firm that thing up over a flame and. I Man, you're killing it's... me right
2: now, dude. I'm like, I'm like uh, three and a half hour, two and a half hours, three and a half hours into my fast. So like, yeah, like,
1: yeah. You normally have I'm to like
0: bed.
2: go to bed by nine thirty So you don't run into temptation. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I know. So on that note here, I'll, I'll end with mine really quick, really easy. Um, wife of five time, six time CrossFit champion, Matt Fraser. Mm-hmm. She has an Instagram page called feeding the Frasers. Love it. And. They are super simple recipes and one that I am stuck on. She makes some peanut butter and jelly overnight oats. And it's like eight ingredients and I cannot get enough of it. It is so delicious. So Sammy Fraser, I think is her name. Feeding the Frasers, super simple recipes. Great follow. Plus, you know, it's got the great pictures too. Noted. So. Noted. It is have uh,
1: I've been aware of feeding the Frasers for some time. I'll, I'll well, pop you know. in. She,
2: she's she's got a, a few hundred thousand followers. There are people that uh, people that know of of her. Of her uh, yeah, but of I was early, movie. Tommy. It's really yeah, early. You, you were early on the train. Yeah, he was only he wasn't they weren't even together yet. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, when it was just feeding Sammy was the name of the yeah. handle. Yeah,
2: was just feeding Sammy. <laughs> What's this? Twelve followers. This is fantastic. <laughs> look at Come those see sepia what I tones. Eat every day. <laughs> look at those look at those sepia tones on her Instagram.
1: I'll tell you what, that's a girl who uh maximized her social circle. For sure. Yeah, she did. Good it's for like, her. Like, I'm- I, yep. I like cooking. I met this guy. I like him. Beating the Frasers. Let's let's yep. coincide. The uh I've also heard on the Sous vide that uh and this is where I became a believer. Uh my brother played either rugby or football. I forget the original connection. He played both rugby and football at the Air Force Academy. Played with this guy uh, who ended up marrying his wife's sister. So they have been friends, and then, like, they got lucky. And now, like, they get to hang out together because yeah. they're married to sisters. So uh, he's this big dude from Texas, and he sous-vides his steaks. And then he takes, like, a little blowtorch. Torch, yes. and that's how he gets the crisp on the outside. Yes, and I was like, Well, that's just that also sounds cool. I would love to do that. Yeah. Just yeah. take a flamethrower yeah. to your meat.
0: And, and the, instead of looking up stuff online, just go on YouTube and type in sous vide everything. And there's a cooking channel. I'm giving this dude a shout out, but he is uh, it's it's amazing what he does. So, uh, that's pretty. I just steal everything on off YouTube, everything. yeah. Ah, Garrett. A pleasure. Yeah, yeah man. really.
2: And, and yeah, we and him. uh true to our promise, we will ask you to come back on and we will focus our discussion on cooking.
0: Is that were y'all just sending text saying are we good to do
2: No, dude, no, absolutely not, man. I, and you know, um <laughs> Hey, the, Tommy.
1: The first you, 15 your,
2: people the fir- my my recording. What? What? <laughs> yeah. I'd be like this. Yeah, it was just it was kind of like the you up text message. I was just like, "Want to join a podcast?" <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, Dusty, by the way, I love the the garage gym you got there. Um, Thank you. I'm envious. Oh, You had a pull-up bar during COVID? So
1: here's the thing. I only finished it like three, four months ago. So most of COVID, I did the demo like right at the beginning. I was planning the renovation and then COVID jacked all the prices. Yeah. So we delayed the finish by like six months. So I kind of shot myself in the foot, but having it now has been awesome. I just, uh, just picked up a rower about a month ago. I pretty yeah, much I see, got the I full this, setup
0: here. I see the concept two bag there. We're, nice dude. All right. Yeah, we're in a That's good legit. place.
1: But, yeah. You know, speaking of Garrett, if you feel like rowing for 24
0: hours, uh, October 16th, is it at your house? Yeah, we're gonna do it here. I mean, what do you just like? People come in and just row, and you do your portion, or are people you trying to stay? How does that work?
1: I do a fundraiser. It's called Row Twenty Four. Sorry, Tommy, I'm squeezing it in a plug right at the end. That's it's fine, late. man. Tommy's it's our podcast. part of it. Did <laughs> uh, It's a little a little six man team. We keep a rower going for twenty four hours. We rotate it. We did it like two years ago at at Sua Raleigh. Yep. Um, I took a year that. off with COVID, and so this year, because you know people are still kind of nervous about COVID, and it's an easier lift, we're just gonna do a small team here. Yeah, food community yeah. raising some money to let uh, me fight let me leukemia. say too
2: that that choosing to do it in the fall, Much on a than. Saturday, feels fantastic. Oh, College yeah. I'll, football I'll get a TV all up. day long. Yeah. I mean, I'm so in. We did so it wait, in the summer. There was,
0: the, yeah. way you're, the way you're pitching this, are y'all still in need of somebody? You said a six-person team, so you have a cap. Or do we, we want to get a second rower?
1: We currently have a five-person team because friend of the pod, Matt Pittman, suffered a actually a fairly serious injury. He had wrist surgery oh, today. Oh, uh, well. we'll see how he recovers, but he's out. We've got yeah. an open so,
0: slot. So what's the date?
1: October 16th.
0: October 16th. All right. I'll check the schedule. I'd love to do it. I mean, I don't get to see Tommy anymore, and I'd miss the dad jokes. There Man, we go. So. It's, it's really Dusty, just an excuse Dusty, to What have. are
2: your thoughts to getting a second rower?
0: Well, here's I know here's someone the thing. with a
1: rower. We can definitely bring in a second rower. Uh, there's, there's no reason not to. We either fill out a team and we have a second rower going, or we just like have a second rower sitting there for the day. Uh so I'm all for bringing in the second rower. Um
2: We can take this offline if you want. And sorry it's guys, I think uh
1: about. just like that the webex drops. No, you're still there. There we go. We're back. So I was just going to say I'm all for the second rower. We'd need enough people for the second team. Um But the the other thing around that is I was planning, yeah, I was planning on giving, so once we have the team assembled and just give everybody their own fundraising page, minimum $1,000 raised, the guy on the team who raises the most money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, I will purchase them their own brand new Concept 2 rower. Stop. I might be in on that. (laughs) Right. I need a rower. I need a rower at the house. Here's the thing. I would give $1,000 to charity, to this particular charity, every year because of my own personal life's history. So to give it to a buddy who comes in for this 24-hour row and went to his community and raised awareness and like, Hey, guys, this event is happening. What can you give? What can you do? It's a no-brainer. It's just like me giving him a gift for raising the money and awareness I would have just cut a check for so you know hmm. we'll we'll talk about it so Garrett check the schedule man we would love to have you on the team
0: October 16th yep cool all
1: right I'm all interested right, we also might have set the record I'll check I'll check the uh, annals and let you know if this is the longest looks like we're lost ever it's gotta be up there yeah hey man
0: sorry that's my that's on me guys
1: dude
2: I I that is a high five, not a not a dig. That's right, exactly. Well, dude, we really appreciate it, man. Go get some yeah. sleep. No one knows what time the baby's gonna wake up.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you all.
2: All right, y'all. Fellas. See you guys. Talk to you later. <laughs>